This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. All right, all right. I'm excited. Um, here we are. We're live again. And of course, you may be watching this recorded because I know that Michael has a huge following at, on his YouTube channel, One Rental at a Time. Uh, this is impromptu. I know for some of our Squad Up audience, um, you may not be used to the 10 a.m. Uh, live, but what's great is that this will be posted in the group, so you can watch the replay. So, how are you doing this morning, Michael? I'm doing wonderful, man. I look I look forward to this uh, this interview or this discussion every Friday because it's kind of the wrap up for my week, and I love doing it with you. You you follow the channel. You're one of my students, and we just we just kind of wrap about what happened this week. So, uh, I want to thank you for doing this with me on Fridays. It's very helpful. I love it too because it gives me a summary and kind of recaps the week of what's going on. I know this week's been a crazy week in the financial markets, a lot of buzz. I, again, as you know, I, I only follow your news. I don't follow traditional news media. I watch the One Riddle, uh, One Riddle at a Time YouTube channel for all of my daily news. Um, the interesting thing is I have a buddy of mine that's been coming over in the afternoons and we work out. We're doing, I think actually, we're going to talk about 75 hard too. I'm on sure. day 26 and I know that you're nice. in it as well. What day are you on? Yeah. Uh, today's day 15. Love it. So good. So good. So I have a friend of mine that comes and we do some workouts um, in the afternoon, the second workout. And um, he was telling me all about like GameStop and Robin Hood <laughs> and the Robin Hood. Everybody's pissed with Robin Hood. What the heck's going on with GameStop and Robin Hood? Yeah. So, so in my opinion, they are, they're kind of related, but you need to treat them separately. So We'll talk GameStop first, because I think that's where this starts. Uh, I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, it really probably started a month ago, but really started fear of missing out. Kind of the pile on trade started the last couple of weeks. And what happened is, is there's a Reddit page called, uh, I don't know, Wall Street Bets, I think it is. And basically what they did is they correctly identified an opportunity. And the opportunity with GameStop was the smart people in New York, and and I use that word very loosely because they did a stupid thing. They took a stock called GameStop and they did what's called short selling, right? Let's just use some round numbers, right? Let's assume the this, this GameStop sells, sells a thousand shares or 10,000 or 100,000, whatever number you're comfortable with. What a short seller does is they basically take, they basically sell a share into the market that they don't actually own, essentially increasing the float of the stock, ideally, you know, adding pressure to the stock. And they do that because they think the stock's going down or they think the company's going out of business. Because when a company goes bankrupt, usually the, you know, the total collected asset value of the entity never pays back common shares because you pay debt first and this first and that first and common shares go to zero. It's the least, yeah, they usually go to zero. So that's what they're doing. So in this example, it went to the extreme. I have never even seen of this. I've been looking at the stock market for, you know, almost 30 years. I'm sure it has happened, but it didn't hit my radar. They shorted the stock to 150% of float, which is unheard of. 
and wow. frankly dangerous, stupid, and and frankly they deserve to lose billions of dollars. So what happened is this Reddit page, we uh, Wall Street Bets, said, "Hey, GameStop is artificially uh, hit. They just hired a brand new CEO, right? There was actually market news going on. Uh, an outside investor uh, called uh, Chewy's um, founder bought ten percent of the stock. Means there was good good business, like real world business news going on for GameStop. And then this Red this Reddit page talked about it, and then they pointed out that Wall Street was shorting it. So a couple of things happened. First and foremost, they started buying out of the money calls, right? If the stock was at 10 bucks, they bought calls at 30, right? Which were relatively cheap at the time because people thought there's no chance that, you know, uh, GameStop will get to 30. So uh, they did that. And then what they did is they started plugging the stock. And at that point, the internet, the social world took off. And as the stock kept going up, it was a vicious feedback loop. And what you quickly saw is a stock that was 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 go parabolic because at some point that short seller has to go, has it gets, it's called a short squeeze because their position is getting more and more dangerous, right? Because they're on the hook for the price. So ultimately what happened is, and again, if you believe what's been reported, the short sellers are down like seven or $8 billion. Billion with a B. Yeah. On, on this stock. And it's all because they were misallocated. They didn't hedge their bets. They, they were the smart money was dumb. And I believe the retail investors, Wall Street bets, other people that came on did the right thing. They found an opportunity. They found it. I mean, if Wall Street did what retail did, it would have been called arbitrage. That's what they would have called it. If Goldman Sachs did exactly what the retail investor did, they would have sold it as arbitrage. It was an arbitrage play and they won and they won hand over fist and they're still winning. I checked them this morning before we started. It's up another 75% or something as of this recording. Who knows what it ends up at? So in the end, that happened. And oh, by the way, uh, retail investors are very predictable. So what worked for GameStop? What did they do? They started looking at the top 40 shorted stocks. So every, I don't know every, but every stock I looked at that was on that list is up significantly. Um, not only GameStop, but American Airlines, um, AMC Theaters. Talk about a business that's near bankruptcy, right? So all these other companies are up that are in really bad shape. So in the short term, retail investors won. Wall Street got kicked in the teeth. Wall Street will likely change their behavior. SEC will likely come in and set rules so companies can't short that much. There, This event we'll have fundamental changes on the investing landscape and it'll be focused on the short sellers because that's the opportunity that got crushed. However, the retail investors, you've won. You've won massively. Don't, don't get greedy. At some point, you got to take some money off the table. Don't, don't just leave it there. I've told everybody that will listen, I turned seven grand into 200 grand in the last crisis in 99 via the same kinds of things that's happening right now. And I didn't get out. I left it all in. And that 200 went to 40 and I've never felt like such an idiot. So I say this with experience. Sell your original position. Sell half of it. Don't yeah. just leave it all in. Um, so in the end, uh, retail investors have realized heavily shorted stocks are an opportunity and they're going ham. But this will end in tears. The retail investors will lose. Uh, 
There will be fear of missing out. They'll, they'll stay in. There's no reason GameStop should be trading at $400. The stock is, is, is so disconnected from the operations of selling video games. And again, what is GameStop? They sell video games out of physical stores. What is like the worst thing to own today? Physical stores. I mean, there's the, the, the it's, a blockbuster. it's a blockbuster yeah. video, basically. Yeah, for video games, right? So it's, yeah. you know, they probably have some online presence. So maybe we're discounting it a little bit, but not a great business model to be on. You know, I don't know what they are. 500 square foot stores where everybody has to drive to today. So there was a reason they were being shorted. And again, there's two things that are going to happen right now. So I talk about American Airlines because I'm sure GameStop can, but they are in their quiet period because earnings are coming out. American Airlines, the worst performing airline stock because they have the most debt. They are the closest one to bankruptcy. What happened today? Stocks run up because, again, it showed up on the top 40 list of shorted stocks. So what do the smart executives in American Airlines do? They go, wow, that's a stupid stock price. I'm going to issue a billion to in common shares. They're just going to bang the retail investors. Oh, you want more? We'll give you more. You want more? We'll give you more. The float of American Airlines is going to go through the roof at the wrong time. It's going to have there. This will end in tears. I still remember feeling like an idiot. My experience, people are calling, people are like, dude, you're an old fuddy. I promise you this will end in tears. I can't tell you when. The wind's the magic thing and my crystal ball don't work. Uh, could it be days? Could it be weeks? Could it be months? Sure. But I can, I'll bet money it ends. Spot on. God, love it. Talk about Robinhood because I know it's interesting. Barry Habib mentioned that, you know, in the talk with Barry, and we're going to talk about that in a few more mo minutes, but specifically Barry mentioned in our interview last week, mm -hmm. he said that, you know, the stock market, the way that, you know, the names have changed. And he mentioned yeah. Robinhood. I know there was a lot of media sensation around Robinhood. What was what was that all about? Yeah, so Robinhood got in the news yesterday for the wrong reasons, but for the right thing. So let me explain. So Robinhood is a brokerage that you know a lot of people trade through, right? The the folks that are staying at home and you know they've got to do something. And we'll talk about what Barry said in a minute. But it it is a, it has attracted millions of users. Robinhood yesterday around midday had to stop processing purchases for a select few of stocks like GameStop. A lot of people were out there saying they're doing it because they're in the pocket of Wall Street or they're protecting the rich, the screw and the little guy. No, I don't believe any of that is true. When you're a brokerage, you have to maintain some liquidity ratios. You have to maintain a risk profile. You have to maintain some certain capital requirements. And because GameStop and other stocks were being run up and the transaction volume was amazing, Robinhood was at risk of breaking the financial system. It was at risk of being AIG. It didn't have capital requirements to meet the federal regulations. They had to raise money. Now, they are, a prof they are an entity that could. So they raised a billion dollars in 24 hours, actually more like 12 hours. Wow. So now, so now they're now they've got the liquidity so you can do it again. But let's be clear. At some point yesterday, they got a call from regulars saying you're undercapitalized. We know this thing is on. We want everybody to buy. We're happy the retail investors are there, but you are under you are undercapitalized. You can fundamentally risk the entire stock market. Stop. That's what happened. So they had to raise capital. They're a great business. They raised a billion dollars in 12 hours. 
And now it's like, hey, hell, let's go. But realize that's what happened. It wasn't they're in the pocket of Goldman or in the pocket of Morgan. They were just undercapitalized. That's what happened. Yep. No, it makes perfect sense. Thank you for explaining that. So let's transition. Um, we had a phenomenal interview last week. Uh, if you're a viewer right now, if you're watching this on the replay or even live, if you have not watched, it's on Michael's channel at One Rental at a Time. It's also posted in the Squad Up group, the Mastermind group. We had a an amazing interview with Barry Habib. Uh, Barry is a two-time crystal ball winner, which is an elite of you know Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase and the who's who of Wall Street and the financial world. Um, Barry mentioned there, Michael, and I want to get your take on this. He mentioned and he talked a little bit about, um, he talked a lot about interest rates and stability in the markets for mm -hmm. housing. But then we also talked about the stock market. And as I'm kind of watching it the third and fourth time, did he imply that potentially the stock market could be a bubble? Oh, yeah, I think without question. If he didn't use the word bubble, that's a search, certainly what he was alluding to. And as I remember the conversation, because I, too, have watched it a couple of times, he was really highlighting, you know what, we've asked Americans to stay home. And, oh, by the way, we've sent, you know, we sent a fair amount of them some money. And um, what they're doing now is they're either going to um, whatever that barstool sports and doing sports betting or they're gambling in the market. Right. Americans want that energy. They want that vig. They want that. They want the juice. And so what he is what he was saying. And again, go watch the video. This was before GameStop took off. He's basically saying people are speculating. And oh, by the way, uh, and him, he and I talked about it because we both experienced 99 up close and personal. And yeah, the names are different. But go look at Webvan and go look at Excite and go look at these other things. They went parabolic and then they didn't. And it was painful. So, uh, yeah, it feels great in the moment. It feels great to look at your app on your phone to see that you have a huge gain. But as I said earlier, take some money off the table. Don't be stupid. Take some off the table. So spot on. Yeah, I would agree. And I also dabbled in some day trading back in the late 90s and such. So I definitely had a similar experience. Um, it's interesting too, that, um, I have a friend who is a contractor and he works with a lot of trades and he's an electrician and, um, he's actually more like even family, but he had mentioned to me about all these stocks. And I'm like, how do you know all this? And he goes, well, he goes, I don't day trade, but he goes, all the guys on the job site in San Francisco, oh, wow. you know, where he's working in this big construction project, he goes, all of these guys, they used to be heavy sports betters. But when sports betting shut down, when there was no sports for whatever it was, 90 days, they all started day trading. And I never even thought of that as a market of potential new money coming into the market. So very fascinating there. Yeah, people got to get that juice from somewhere. Yeah, for sure. So that takes us to our last subject. And I want to just talk a little bit about you and I talked before before we rolled the show uh, specifically about retirement and the middle class crisis and what's going on right now with people planning for retirement and specifically the middle class. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So this actually came to me, you know, it's thankfully to the 75 hard challenge that we're on, right? It's both a physical and a mental challenge. And for me in the first 15 days, it really is, I'm a happier person, right? I've been able to kind of focus because again, I changed my morning routine 
And first off, it, I love the challenge just because I feel better every day. So shout out to the challenge. Take it, take it if you want to change your physical or your mental aspect. I, I strongly recommend it. But what it allowed me to do is it allowed me to kind of soul search what I'm trying to do. And I, I started looking up kind of what, what, what's happening to folks that are retiring today. What's happening to the middle class? Because, again, I have 50 years ahead of me, I'm hoping to try to grow, strengthen the middle class. That's what I'm going to be doing, whether it's with real estate investing, budgets and actuals, or building a side hustle. Those are the things I'm trying to add to that. But I mean, let's just talk about some of the numbers. I have a whole list because I'm going to probably do a video on it this weekend. Um, but like, do you know what percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck? Take a guess. I know, I've heard it's high, but I, I don't know. I'd say 45, 50%. 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, right? That's, and again, that's because we're consumers and we have a lot of debt and, you know, I mean, there's lots of reasons for it, but that's not okay in my opinion. It should be more like 45%, right, in my opinion. Uh, how about this one? Uh, you know, what do you think the average savings is for a woman? So this one, we'll do men and women, women uh, at their retirement age. At retirement age? Yes. Savings, my guess is the average for the, the country is yeah. fifty thousand dollars. Twenty-three grand. Twenty-three thousand bucks. Wow. Yeah. At retirement age. Yeah, at retirement. Yeah. Uh do you know what it is for men? It's it's higher. I don't it just is. I'm gonna guess thirty just because it's higher. I'm gonna <laughs> guess the number's low, but thirty thousand. Yeah. Maybe. So it's it's seventy six thousand. So this this number I should have it, it's retirement savings. I, I I just said savings, so my mistake. I misled you. Not like savings in their bank account. Their retirement savings. One more time. The average retirement savings for a woman is twenty three grand. The average retirement savings for a man is seventy six grand. Some of that's obviously because women stay home. They maybe get started. There's gap in employment. There's lots of reasons for it. Either way, I promise you, or I share that either 23k or 76k is not enough that's not okay uh how this this is one just to kind of tie it together what percent of americans today have a fear of outliving their retirement money 100 percent. i'm guessing <laughs> yeah it's the millennials it's 43 percent. so think about that millennials what are they like 24 to 32 or something like that sure they're they're already for roughly half of them are already concerned about not having money in retirement, to, to enough money in retirement. So these are all would, things that just concern me. I would also wonder, do you know, like what it, with millennials, what is the average student debt? Because I know that student debt is probably a huge thing. And you and I are of the age, I think, you were born in the 70s, right? Yep. yep. Okay, yep. so I was born in 71. So I would think that like for our generation, a lot mm -hmm. of people did go into trades and into you know, different kinds of trade work or trade schools, yeah. things like that. I think the millennials were absolutely probably have the highest percentage of college graduates and, and that I don't know that for sure, but I know that there yeah. has to be a lot of student debt around there. Is that? Well, absolutely. I mean, I remember graduating high school, uh, you know, where, where it was still, it was frankly a thing, right? Graduating high school for many kids was like the event. Right? College wasn't even an option. Uh, when my daughter graduated high school, it was like it was just an assembly line to the next college. So, I, I, you know, whether or not it's whether or not college graduation went up, certainly 
those attending at least a year of college had to go up. Yeah, I, I would think that's definitely true. Um, so again, we'll just do one more number. Um, let's see, which one do I want to do? Do you know what the average credit card debt is for an American? Like revolving oh, yeah. balance. It's $5,700. Wow. Right. Just, that's, just the paying, that's the average. That's like paying 18 or 21% every month. Bam, bam, bam. That's, that's not okay. So I really think, you know, the next 50 years, I'm going to be looking to help the middle class and help people have a better retirement via real estate investing, learning their market, understanding their freedom dollars, financial health score. It's just all those things. So that's a big deal for me. So let, thank you for letting me kind of get this off my chest. No, I love it. I think we shared a lot of good stuff here and, you know, let me ask you this, because I think this will be a great question to finish on. Why did you pick, and obviously you've created a lot of wealth through real estate. Um, you've done incredibly well with your real estate holdings. Why did you pick real estate as your key asset for building wealth and retirement and becoming financially free? Because it was the only asset that I saw that I felt was in a casino. Right. I had been in the market. I'd successfully done something cool. Right. Seven to 200. Cool. 200 to 40 kind of sucks. Uh, but, you know, that that experience, I have always believed that it's just the it's, it's an unregulated casino, in my opinion. And that's 20 years in the making. And I've missed out on lots of things. Right. I've missed out on huge run ups. I missed out. I don't care. I believe real estate investing is an imperfect market. I believe real estate investing disproportionately rewards the people that do the work, right? If you're in my course, step one is doing the work. And once you do that, it, the beauty is my students are already doing it. You've seen videos just this week. Students are seeing the inventory pick up across the country. They're like, it's still too expensive, but you know what, Michael, you're right. There's more to choose from. And I'm like, cool. That's where it starts. Inventory rises. Then inventory days on market stays longer. And then the people that truly have to sell go, hey, why isn't my house selling in three weeks like my neighbors did? And then the real estate agent goes, well, your house isn't perfect. Your house is not done. You're too close to the end of the street, whatever it is. And then you start seeing price drops. And then, oh, by the way, the yield on your cash flow rental increases. And it's just, just this process that I saw coming. I called it. And my students uh, are saying it's happening. It's, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I love it. So with that said, we're going to wrap up. Please do yourself a favor. Follow Michael. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. And the best thing he does, in my opinion, is the YouTube channel at One Rental at a Time. Thank you, Michael, for your time today. Thank you. Talk to you next week.